Uh, B, you have to have hope before you can use your faith. Uh, faith is laying hold of, of the reality, unrealities of hope and bringing them into the realm of reality by acting on the word. Faith, however, is not hope. Faith is laying hold of the realities of hope and bringing them into the realm of reality by acting on the word. I know, I know, uh, I know of, okay, and I get this from a reliable source, but I know of, of two individuals that were believing God for healing. And they were in a service with um, a man that was anointed to preach the gospel. It was going to be a healing service, so healing absolutely was present. And yet both of these individuals went home because they didn't have an instant manifestation of that healing. What went wrong? Nothing went wrong. It wasn't the man of God. It's that they had to lay hold of it by faith, even though they may not have seen the manifestation of it. And, you know, you got you to gotta really lay hold of that faith because you can see this person get up and walk, and they, they did it instantly, and you think, well, mine's, mine's not that bad, Lord. Come on. You know, and you don't have it, but what are you going to do? Are you going to quit? No, you have to lay hold of it. It's a thing that we as individuals have to lay hold of, okay? So uh, D here is if you are not hoping for something, then there would be no use of faith. Faith has to be purpose. E, you can have hope and not have faith, but you cannot have faith without hope. Sometimes we're just wishing for things. I heard a, a, a lady say one time, Recently, I heard a lady say that she was talking to a, a, trying to get to know this lady. She'd been in the church for quite a while, and they were older, and, and they didn't have any children. And she asked her, said, well, I mean, were y'all, do y'all ever want, did y'all ever want children or what? She goes, oh, yeah, we've been believing for children for years. And as that woman that said that went to walk off, she turned back around. God convicted her, and she said, Stop. I said we've been believing for years. I haven't been believing for years. I have been wanting. There's a difference. Because she did not focus and step out in faith. declaring she was going to have children. What I'm saying? So she was hoping and wishing and thinking and believing, but not acting on faith. That making sense to y'all? Because it's very important that we get this because we have to purpose our faith, okay? So um, that was E. You can have hope and not have faith, but you cannot have faith without hope. Faith is like a thermostat. You want or desire thermostat a certain temperature. Wait a minute. You want or desire a certain temperature of 70 degrees. Hope is your want or desire for 70 degrees. Wanting, hoping, will not get the temperature to 70. You must turn action word. Take action now. When do you take it? Now. When is faith? Now. The thermostat to 70. Your faith is now. And knowing that the temperature, I got to read this and then we'll come back, okay? Your faith is now in knowing that the temperature will be 70. When you turn this thermostat to 70 degrees, the temperature doesn't become 7 degrees automatically. But as the thermostat kicks in, it's just a matter of time that it will be 70 
recipes. Okay, that's a mouthful to read. But if we were wanting this room to be 70 degrees and it was 80, we would turn the temperature, the thermostat, to 70. Okay, y'all got that. You know, I used to, used to do this. Uh, if it wouldn't kick on fast enough, I'd turn it even lower. Well, you know, it wasn't working any faster and he'd have to, okay, explain it to me again. Explain it to me again. And see, sometimes we think that we're in faith and we're not. And let me tell you something. How many have realized, even in this faith walk, that you've missed it a time or two? Because we're human. But you know, God counts perfection on the way too. But don't be one of those that, oh, I'm afraid to, to turn the thermostat down. What if it doesn't work? Well, then, if it doesn't work, something's wrong. So, what is that? What do you do then? You find out what's, oops, falling for you, Dad. I mean, Pastor, <laughs> sorry, almost tripped. But anyway, what happens is, you, then if you, if you missed it, or if it didn't work out, then find out what's wrong. But don't, don't be in condemnation about it. We'll look at some things that can cause us to get off of our faith and maybe not even realize it. Okay, so if you want the thermostat down, you turn uh, the temperature down or up, you turn, you turn the, temp the thermostat accordingly. If you want something from the word of God or by faith, you, you turn, you work accordingly. Get God's word on it. Get God's word on it, Okay. Uh, this, uh, G, this is exactly how faith works. You hope for something. It acts now. Faith is an action word. Some people are sitting on the uh, sidelines hoping and praying and they have no faith. Why? Because they're not acting upon it. If you're believing God for something, then you're not going to be down in the mouth about it. That was strong, but let's go on. Your faith acts now. Faith is an action word. You know, James tell us, tells us faith without works is dead. You have no doubt. Notice not to doubt in Mark uh, 11. You know it will happen even when the circumstances does not immediately change. I was sharing with uh, somebody recently. I was... I was Endeavoring to encourage them, and they were believing for something, and I too am a believing for the same thing. And I was giving them scripture, telling them, "You confess it. You look in that mirror. You confess it. You say it, and and you believe it." I mean, I'm telling you this because I've done this. I'm doing this, and then I said, "And you know what happened?" And they were like, "It was on the phone, but I know them." And then when I told him. It went the opposite way from what I was believing. And it, it broke that thing. They began to laugh because they were expecting me to say, umpteen, I'm not going to tell you what it was. But anyway, but my point was, now what am I going to do? Well, it didn't work. It's working. You don't see it. You don't feel it. But it's working. But you don't feel it in your, in your physical senses. But you have your knower. You know that it's working. I know that it's going to come to pass. Why? Because I'm, I'm basing it upon the Word of God. Not by what I see and not by what I feel. I'm basing it on what God says. See, we've got to have God, allow God to have the final say. No, say he knows. 
Okay. <laughs> so we can't have doubt. Uh, number five under G said, you know it will happen even though the circumstance does not immediately change. Now let me say this about faith here. Galatians, about reaping and sowing. But he said, you shall reap if... Well, I'm not, I don't want anything negative put me back. I'm already having trouble going forward. Well, sometimes we have to step back where we've missed it in order to go forward. Because sometimes you go forward, you can fall flat on your face. It's better to get the correction or redirection. Just because a person uh, gets lost coming to church or gets lost going to wherever you going and you haven't been there doesn't mean that you don't get another opportunity to get another route because you got to stay focused on the destiny faith does that it stays it's st okay lord did i miss it or is the devil trying to do this for me or am i trying to reason myself out of it we've got to do a checkup from the neck up and the heart too <laughs> Okay, so uh, number six here, your faith says it's already has happened, even though the manifestation has not yet happened. See, you're, you have to get so steadfast, unmovable on the word of God that you can hear his voice. And when he speaks to you, it doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what it looks like. And you, you've heard this example where, uh, I told Pastor Ronnie, this was years ago, uh, uh, when our babies were little, that God was going to, uh, somebody's going to send us money in the mail. I mean, it was just in my spirit. Well, he wasn't a man of faith. Because he kept mocking me, making fun of me. That's okay. That's okay. We got a check in the mail. Now, nobody knew I was confessing this but him. Okay? I didn't go around, hey, Trey. Somebody, you know, is going to bring me, is send me cash, Delia. Somebody's going to send me cash. Let the Lord lead you. No, it wasn't any of that. <laughs> it wasn't any of that. It actually ended up being a business that we had done. A, a, a toy company we've done business with years ago, and they owed us money. We didn't know it. They had an audit, and they owed us money. But I had to stand on the word of God that was in here. No matter what it looked like, no matter what somebody said, I had to go with what God told me. Or do you know what? That check would have never found us. And even if it did, God would have found the glory that he deserved. Okay? So here your faith says it's already happened. Uh, as this, um, The last part, as in the thermostat, thermostat example, you had no fear that it would be 70 degrees never probably thought much about it. Once I learned how the thermostat worked, you never learned thought much about it anymore. You just said it and went on. Okay? H here says faith is now. Hebrews 11 said now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So here in H, faith is now. If it isn't now, it's not faith. I've prayed for people before, and then when I get through praying, they say, well, I hope it happens. I prayed it was going to happen. Now get on the word, and let's go. Let's, you know. But, so faith is not just believing. 
her. Told you that lady said she was believing. Wanting it, but she wasn't setting her faith out. Now, there's no condemnation on her. We've done all done something like that. It's a learning lesson. Okay? Faith is not just believing. Believing is what you uh, uh, behold or hold to be true. You can believe a lie. It is a spiritual substance. Believing is a spiritual substance, but you can believe a lie. How many of the, I'm not going to say how many of you have ever said this, but I'm sure we've all said this. You know what? The devil keeps telling me. And we get all shook up. Well, let's examine this for a minute. Talking. Say the devil will then, come on. You know, uh, I'm going to go over this, but I'll mention it here. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 4, Thursday, I taught the, the title of the message was, Who's Got It? And one of the things is, who's got your ear? Who are you listening to? What are you listening to? Got your ear. The media, the news, the negative, the grief, the fear, the doubt, the unbelief, those that are mocking you. When they mock you, you know what? They're not mocking you for you. They're mocking you for the word's sake. They don't even realize it. Can I let you in on a secret? I'm going to get into this later, but I may get into it now. Christians do that one to another. It's so sad. I've seen people believe for things, and when it didn't come to pass, instead of the, the Christians in the body rallying around them, hoping they can find out or praying for them, they're making fun of them. God is not pleased with that. And I'll show you a scripture in a minute. Okay, but let's go on. It's all good. It's all good. Okay. Uh, you must believe what the Word says, what God says, uh, believing what God says. Believe what He says. He knows what He's talking about. He knows what's around the corner. He knows why you did what you did. He knows what you need to do. God has the answer. Why? Because he is the answer. He is the answer. Faith is a force, but you cannot force faith. See, that little boy where either Matthew or Joel went and said, now you need to uh, get saved, it, he was already ready. Just needed somebody to draw him in. See what I mean? But you cannot force faith on somebody. The scripture teaches us, the Bible teaches us, faith comes by hearing and hearing. What? Hearing the word. Because if you keep hearing and hearing and hearing how things are going to be blah, 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 then that's what you're going to believe. Then what's going to happen? You're going to get into fear. What's going to happen? Are we happy yet? Okay, let's stay happy. Okay. So, uh, number, uh, Roman number two, two, originator of faith. Or, originator of faith. Who originated faith? God. He did. Okay. Hebrews 11, 3, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. He framed each and every one of us. If he made it, he knows how it works. 
It's somebody that invents something. They know how it works. Who gives and develops faith? God, uh, number one there under B, God uh, starts everyone out with the same measure of faith. Now, I'm going to, you can turn there if you want to, but uh, here it, it, it goes on to say, God starts everyone out with the same measure of faith. Romans 12, 3 says, But to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we're to think soberly according as God had built to every man the measure of faith. But listen to this, what is in front of those verses here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, uh, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Then he goes on, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man not to think of himself more highly than he ought, because every man's given, been given the same measure of faith. We have all been given the same measure of faith. How come is it that some people can believe for more than what others? Because they developed it. See, but God keeps the, the, the level plane, or what I'm saying? Everyone got, has the same start out. But you have to, I love this, because you have to uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why is that? Because our minds are going to try to reason us out of the things of God. And so we have to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then once you get there, get high-minded about it. See what I'm saying? Because sometimes, um, and I've had this said to me, I've had this said to me. You knew better than that. You should have believed for that. Yes, it was a true statement, but it should have never been said. Not at that moment. They should have held me in prayer because I missed it. See what I'm saying? So we've got to be careful of that. But when you began to get a renewed mind, and that's a trick of the devil, to, to try to come in and make you think you're something. Then you're not. Why? Because you're starting to develop your faith, and he wants to knock you out of faith. Why? Because your, your faith, you're going to believe God for things that will what? Give God glory, and that can draw other people. So we've all started out with the same measure of faith. I may have... Um, Faith for finances. You may have faith for healing. You may have faith for savings people. You may have faith for um, uh, getting people delivered. But one of us can have faith for everything that we, I just spoke. Got to develop it. So we're all, we're all in the same playing field. Okay? There's no, there's no, I started out with a disadvantage. 
start out with Christ, you have him in your heart, then we're all on the same playing level. We all started out the same. Whether you were raised in it, whether you had a horrible background, whether you had a wonderful background, whether you ran from God. Okay? So, um, be here. God starts everyone with the same measure of faith. Romans 12, 3, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. Jesus is the developer of our faith. Uh, Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Got to get him some to work with. Oh, well, you know, it's, it's, Jesus, it's Jesus' fault that I'm not developed. In it. No, it's not. He's given us the opportunity. He's given us the same uh, uh, level of play, and it's up to us. The Arthur and the finisher. I, I think we ought to have, let him fill in the blanks as well, right? Right, and they're going to be filled with faith words. How does faith come? God, uh, number three, how faith comes. A, God's part. God gives to every man the measure of faith. He would really be an unjust God if he gave Pastor Ronnie more faith than he gave you or me. He would be unjust, but he's not. He gave us the same. Now, we're, it's up to us and him to develop it. Our part is we must hear, speak, and study the word. Okay, we've got to hear it, speak it, and study it. In hearing the word, not just once having heard it, but a continuation, uh, a continuance of hearing it. In hearing the word, not just once having heard, heard it, but a continuance of hearing it. Romans ten seventeen said, "Faith comes by comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God." Number three, in speaking the word, don't let negative circumstances come in and drown out what the word says. Who's got your mouth? Proverbs chapter four, we've got to speak the word. And, you know, I just taught that message um, Thursday. And I, I, I tell you, I've had to ask myself, okay, who's got your mouth? Who's talking through you? Doubt, fear, unbelief, aggravation, anger. Who's talking through you? Pain. Who's talking to, through you? See, who's got your mouth? Okay, who am I listening to? Who's got your ears? Pay attention. Who's got your ears? That's what uh, Proverbs 4 says. Okay, so in speaking God's word, don't let those circumstances drown out the word of God. Proverbs 18, 7 says, A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul, which is his mind, will, and emotion. So a fool's mouth is his destruction. You know, we're our, we can be our own worst enemy. I got to share this with y'all. Uh, love me tender. Uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I taught them we got to contend for our faith. You know, the devil wants to take our faith, okay? We have to contend for our faith. And you know what that really means? It means to fight for our faith. Here he's talking about a fool's mouth is his own destruction. Uh, I have a nephew that um, 
And I used boxing gloves up here. No, I did not hit myself in the mouth, but I was acting like it. But we had a nephew that, that uh, he had dentist work done. And, of course, they had to numb him. And he was so excited. He was little, and he was watching TV, and he turned. Look, Dad, and he was just pounding himself in the mouth. It doesn't hurt. Like, and his dad, no, don't do that. <laughs> you may not recognize it up front. It may not hurt you up front. But on the other side of that, he was hurting. See, sometimes we speak things out of our mouth that aren't faith. Well, I'm just telling it how it is. Well, is that the way you want it to stay? Okay, we're teaching, aren't we? Okay, let's go back. Okay. So, a fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his mind, will, and emotions. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those that love it will eat thereof. You decide what comes out of your mouth. You decide who, who is going to speak through your mouth. Okay. Now, let me say this. Uh, don't ever think that you can't come, or you, you shouldn't have to think this way, that you can't come to another person in the body of Christ. Don't go telling everybody your troubles and your woes, because some of them just have a gossip ear. They're ready to hear, and they're ready to turn it. I'm just telling you this because of prayer, but it's all a gossip. Okay, but don't ever think that you have to do this on your own. What am I saying? If, you, if nothing else, you sometimes need to come to the leaders and say, I'm not getting it. I need help. And what are they? You should know better than that. They're not going to do that. They do walk out. I may ask, you know the devil's speaking to you. Let's do something about it. I don't know. Did you share this, this last week about when Nita was little? And I'll share it just in case he did. When Nita was little and, you, and, and um, uh, Joel was little, we didn't have Matthew then. And I was reminded of this last week when I was studying for prayer. And, um, but anyway, uh, I think he was off deer hunting, but... I was there in the kitchen, and Joah kept jumping on the bed. And I told him, don't jump on the bed. If you do, I'm going to spank you. Well, I walk off, guess what? He was jumping on the bed, so I went back and spanked him. And um, so I'm in the kitchen, and then here comes Nita crying. And I'm thinking she's going to, you know, she's feeling sorry for him because I spanked him. And I'm fixing to correct her because I told him. He was warned, Okay. And so she goes, no, 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 mom, it's not that. And she's crying. She's a little kid. And she's crying and she's telling me, the devil tells, keeps telling me that he's going to kill you and dad. What did she say? The devil keeps telling me he's going to kill you and dad. So what I did, I said, that's the devil. You said it. That's the devil. Let's go take care of that. So we were in the living room and I prayed for her and, and I rebuked that. And then when I got through praying, I turned to her and I said, do you want to pray? 
she started rebuking the devil. He wasn't going to kill mom and dad. He wasn't going to kill her. He wasn't going to kill her brother. He wasn't going to kill her grandfathers. He wasn't going to kill her grandmothers. He wasn't going to kill her uncles. He wasn't going to kill her aunts. He wasn't going to kill her cousins. He wasn't going to kill her friends. Wow. But she was crying and she was letting him have it. And you know what happened when she said that? Okay, thanks. And she just went off like a kid going and playing. See, we've got to learn to get this. Now, the story ain't over. That evening, my dad had a head-on collision in his truck and did not get hurt. Before the night was over, her, one of her uncles had, a, had a, a totaled his vehicle and was not hurt. See, don't ever belittle somebody's faith if they need to come. She knew the devil was speaking to her. And I didn't scold her and I go on, you know that's the devil. No. I upgirded her in faith and prayer. And then the Lord anointed her and, and took over. Can you see that? We got to be more kind. But let's, let's move on. I did ask Trey if I could have an hour and a half. But let's go on. Ooh, I got to hurry. We do have more to go. <laughs> okay. Number four. In studying the word, study to know what is rightfully yours. You know, it's like the guy that was on the ship, and all he had was for that whole journey was crackers and water. And when he got off the ship, went to get off the ship, the captain said, Hey, I remember seeing you, but I've never seen you in the dining rooms or anything. He said, I, I only had enough to have the ticket to get across the ship, you know, on, across the journey. He said, you don't understand that ticket had free dining, free air food the whole time you were here. See, sometimes we, because we haven't found out what God says to us, we don't know what he has for us. Oh, goodness. So we have to study. Second uh, uh, Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It can be wrongly divided, but when you begin to study it, he'll, he'll bring things to your member and, and he'll correct you if it needs it. But he's, he's going to stir that faith up. That's what we're talking about, that faith. Second Peter uh, 1.10 Oh, excuse me, 1 through 10 here. Uh, we're studying to, show, uh, to know what's rightfully ours. And here, it's talking about those exceeding, great, and precious promises. That's rightfully ours. That's rightfully ours. Now, here it says you, we have to make every effort. I'm just going to go over these real quickly. Uh, please read it out, but... Uh, oh, let me go five and six and we'll come back. That you must believe those things which you say will come to pass. Okay? Uh, number six here. Your entire vocabulary must be disciplined. Ask yourself, who's talking through you? Who's got your mouth? Okay? Now back to Second Peter 1 through 10. He's talking about exceeding great precious promises to uh, uh, belong to us. But we have to find out what those are. But here he says... Uh, make every effort to add to your faith virtue or excellence, okay? And he says, and I think it's the Amplify says uh, exercising virtue. And, and to your virtue, to your excellence, ex exercise knowledge. 
get some understanding of what the word says. And to your knowledge, exercise self-control. It's called discipline, self-control. And to self-control, exercise patient endurance. Let me tell you something. If you're if you're having if you're being there patient, you're not being a very good one. Because the patient in the Bible talks about a joyful expectation. I have a joyful expectation that that thermostat is going to be to 70. Why? Because that's what we put it on. Okay? So we have to understand that. So exercise patient endurance. In, in that, exercise godliness or reverence. Uh, to, godly, uh, to godliness or reverence at exercise brotherly kindness. See, that's where we have to be kind to one another. Sometimes that's where we have to exercise our most is our faith to be kind one to another in the body of Christ. You know, I was thinking, sometimes I, in, in amongst things that have been going on in the world, you're going to disagree with this, but as Pastor Ronnie says, you can be wrong anyway. But uh, it's okay for you to be wrong, but... Sometimes the most cruel, this is sad, but sometimes the most cruelest people can be in the church. They show more brotherly kindness to those that are in the world than we do to each other, and God is not pleased with that. God is not pleased with that. It's like those that speak with the, the sword, they're, they're, the words of their mouth are like swords. Not the sword of the word of God, but they're like, like swords to cut down. And we've got to stop that. And if you're having some trouble with somebody in the body of Christ, use your faith on it. And you're going to be surprised in a wonderful way. Because not only is he going to change them, he's going to change you in the process. I know you don't think you need it, but you know God goes exceedingly abundantly. He's going to do some work there, you know. You know, the uh, Bible says uh, the word of God is quick and sharper than any two-edged sword. You know what I believe that is? It cuts away the negative in your life. But it also is a two-edged sword that cuts away the stuff that's going on in here that doesn't need to be. Okay, let's, let's hurry because I was only teasing about the hour and a half. Okay, uh, to brotherly kindness, love. Exercise love. Faith without love, it's dead. Faith worketh by love. Faith without works is dead. Your faith, number seven, your faith will not work above the level of your confession. And you are the only one that can determine it. Now, I, 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 I know how to tell you to help watch what you say, especially if you're married or, or tell those in the household. Okay, if I say something negative, correct me. Oh, get ready. Because they're going to catch it before you do. And I will say this, you will get frustrated. But get over it, okay? Just get over it. Why? Because sometimes we say things. I never said that. You got two or three witnesses. Yeah, you, oh, well, y'all all heard that wrong. You see what I'm saying? So you, that's a good way that you're going to be able to help what you say. But don't ever expect your faith to rise above your level, uh, your level of what you're confessing. Okay, where is faith found? Faith is found in your heart and in your mouth. 
Romans 10, 30, uh, Romans 10, verse 8, in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is where faith is. Okay, get it out of your head and get it into your heart. Faith is in your mouth and your heart, not in your head. But how it's not in your head, but your head has to be renewed to the word of God so that you can be transformed to receive what God is saying. And in that transformation, you prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. See, it's hand in hand. Hand in hand. You're the only one that could determine this. Okay. Your head, your carnal thoughts, the way you think, tries to reason things out of faith, filling you full of doubt and unbelief. It, it tries to get the best of you. That's why our mind has to be renewed to God. See, your head, your carnal thoughts, the way you think, tries to reason things out of faith, filling you full of doubt and unbelief. Uh, feed your faith and starve your doubt, okay? That's what we have to do. Why we live by faith. Living by faith pleases God. How many of you want to please God? I'm not looking, but I sure hope everybody wants to raise their hands on that one. So we're going to have to show some brotherly kindness here. Okay, Hebrews 11. So uh, Hebrews eleven six it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Uh, that without faith means outside of faith. The word without there means outside. So outside of faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But if you're, if you're without or the outside of faith, you're not going to be able to please God. You say, well, but I don't have that faith. Okay. But he's given you the measure of faith. Now he's given you the opportunity to begin to develop it. Do you see what I'm saying? So, so it's not that you're... When you're growing in it, you're developing in it. What is that? It, he counts perfection, how? On the way to perfection. You know, you're only condemned when you walk after the, after the flesh and not the spirit. That's what Roman tells us. Okay? So, um, God is not going to do anything that is outside of his character. If it doesn't please him, then it would be outside of his character. He's not going to do that. Okay? Works of faith. Faith works by love. Galatians 5, 6 tells us faith worketh by love. Okay? You know, we, we say here that we're here to show people the real love of Jesus. You know one of the keys to showing people the real love of Jesus? Is being filled with the real love of Jesus. And then you can, you can easy to easily show them. Work, uh, uh, under works of faith, B, works, actions of faith, talks and speaks. You know, uh, well, we're going to get into it anyway. But okay, let me, let's, Romans 10, 6, 
10.6 says, which of faith speaketh on this wise? How does faith speak? It didn't ask if it can come down. No, it's nigh you in your mouth. The word of faith, okay? Watch what your mouth. And let me tell you something. We can do that. Even the world can do that. Have you ever had somebody just, just saying foul words right and left and then they find out you're a Christian and all of a sudden you realize they're French? Have you ever heard them? Oh, excuse my French. Well, I didn't know you were French, you know? Okay. <laughs> And I, I always have to explain things. But anyway, but, but we can watch a guard on our mouth. And when we ask other people to help us, they're going to be more than happy to. Okay. I know uh, Nita used to do this. If, if uh, you'd say something negative. Oh, is that what you want? And no, what I want is Nita, but that's no. But, you know, but that's what we need to hear. Okay. Mark 11, 23 says, speaks mountains speaks to mountains now we uh, think that is crazy uh, sometimes people come that, that that's crazy I'm not gonna do that here's the deal you speak to mountains all the time but the problem with it is you're building the mountain oh my god these debts these bills will we ever get out of debt will this pain ever go away Will this aspirin ever work? Whatever. You're constantly building on that mountain. Now he tells us to, cast, to believe God, not doubt in our heart, but to have the faith in God, to believe his, to have his faith and to speak to that mountain. And he tells us what to say to it. Be thou cast into the sea. How many have ever seen a mountain in the sea? Okay, but you, you, you've got to continue to say it and continue to say it because you're so, and I are so pronged to say what we see, what we feel, what we've heard, what the circumstance. See, the circumstance, that mountain is always talking to you. Why are we agreeing with it? You got to give God something to work with. And what is he wanting to work with? Your faith. Well, I don't have that much faith. You're developing as you're speaking his word. That's the answer. His word. Speak his word. So speak to that mountain. Um, Rome, and let me say this sidetrack. I'm really hoping I won't get that long tray. But anyway, um, when, when, when you start believing God for something... Use wisdom on it. You, you don't always, it's not always necessary. And sometimes I'm telling you, it's mostly not necessary for you to go out and tell everybody. Because not everybody's going to agree with it. Number one, you got to have the agreement. They're not going to agree with it. And not only that, they might write out disagree with it. Why open that door? Why open that door? Confide in somebody that you can get an agreement with according to the word of God and just believe God for it. And then when you two are in agreement, when one of you kind of seems to be getting a little weary, then the other one ought to be able to uphold you. Okay? So we got to speak to our mountain. See Romans 4, 17. Faith calleth those things which be not as though they were. Calleth those things. That's what 
faith does. It calls those calls those things that that aren't hap- that don't are not manifested at the moment, but they they will when you stay in faith. D. There is a difference between talking faith and faith talking. There is a difference between talking faith and faith talking. Anyone can talk it or mouth it, mouth it or mouth off. But when faith talks, it is not mere mouthing off, but it's the mounting, moving power being spoken. There's life and death, death and life in the power of the tongue. We need to say what God says. And let me tell you something. When, sometimes when, you remember the French guy I was talking about a while ago? We can talk the lingo. You know, some people know the lingo. We're going to talk faith when you're around. We're going to, but they, they're just talking the lingo. They don't mean it. We got to be very, very careful of that. Okay. You say, well, how, how, can you, how can you be careful of that? Check yourself. Allow the Lord to correct you on it. Do you, are you believing for it? Are you just saying the right words? Remember the lady with the, wanting the children? She was believing for it? No, she knew the lingo. She was believing for it, but she wasn't taking action by confessing it that I will, have, I will be a mom. We will have children. See? Faith, uh, number two there, uh, uh, faith is alive. It is alive. Works, actions show that faith is alive. I'm telling you, when you're in faith, now faith is a substance of uh, things hoped for. You already got it, even though you don't see it. It's the evidence. So if you've already got what you're believing for, you're not going to be down in the mouth about it. See, if you're down in the mouth about it, you're not standing in faith at that moment. I'm going to put it like that because then you can repent and turn, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I, you got to help me with this. Help me with this. Okay? So, um, James 2, 14 through 26, verse 20 says, But will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? If God tells you to do something, then do it. You're not going to know why sometimes. I don't know why they gave me a pill this big. Last time it was a little pill. Whatever the, the case, we believe more in that than we do the word. That does not need to be. Okay? So, the benefits of faith. It saves. Ephesians 2, 5, and 8 said, you're saved by grace through faith. You're saved by His favor. You're saved by His divine influence. And it's by faith. We take it by faith. One of the greatest miracles that any of us have ever, ever experienced is the new birth. Is the new birth. And I'm telling you, if he can cause you to have a new birth that will give you eternal life, that will give you forgiveness of sins, man, the things you and I want and believe and hoping for, what's that to God? It's one of those great, exceeding, precious promises that he's got for us. Amen? Heals. And the prayer, uh, James 5, 15, uh, in verse 15 says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. What kind of prayer? Well, I don't know if it's God's will that he heals you. 
That's not the prayer of faith. Okay? What else does faith do? It delivers. It delivers. See there is deliver. Delivers. Number uh, Roman numeral 8 says, Faith is seen and affects others to act. Matthew 9, 20 through 22. Touch the hem of the... Okay. Um, touch the hem of the, his garment. and the, uh, uh, That's the woman with the issue of blood. And Jesus told her daughter, Be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. whole. The, uh, the people surrounding them saw what happened. Before this happened, you didn't see uh, people touching the hem of his garment being healed. Okay, but that's what she believed for. Uh, Matthew 14, uh, when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. Let me tell you something. People are watching you. People are watching you. Okay, you're not doing it to be seen of men. But don't, don't misunder, uh, underestimate the power that people are watching you. People are watching you. You know, you're, you're the only epistle, the only letter that some people will read. They'll never open the Bible. Okay? So, uh, number one here, because they saw and had knowledge, had knowledge, information of what had happened when the woman with the issue of blood touched his garment, they also sought to do the same. What happened? That's where their faith came. And when they released their faith, she released her faith. Her action was going through the crowd. And let me tell you something. In that day and time, because she had an issue of blood, she should have never been out of the house. But she was going against all odds. She was going to things that would literally get her in trouble. But she was believing God and she was showing, she wasn't at home believing God. She took action to it. At the, the information she got about Jesus, she took action and, and went through the crowd. And, you know, the crowd was all storming her, uh, storming, um, uh, what do you call it, throgging Jesus, wanting to be a part. Wanting, and, you know, when you're in a crowd like that, you're going to be touched by a lot of people. But the Bible only says she's the one that got healed. Why? Because she was believing for that. And the hem of his garment is down below. She was trampled on some, I'm sure. And so they sought to do the same. See, good reports of faith. Read Hebrews chapter 11. For by the elders obtained a good report. Go into there and read about people that had stood on the word of God and stood by faith. We're without excuse, people. We just, got, we just have gotten dull of hearing and we're not standing on the word of God. Where God is one to do his exceeding precious promises to come to pass in our lives. The Bible says, I believe it is Psalms 84, 11. There's no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. He's our rock. He's our salvation. But there's no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Doesn't mean we're perfect, but we have a heart that is righteous to him because we're seeking his righteousness, not our own. Okay? Conclusion. Are y'all excited? 
Oh, oh, I got one minute. Okay, the, the Bible checks us to leave by faith. No. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> I figured I preached enough faith that y'all would have get it. <laughs> the Bible teaches us to live, the just live by faith and that we're not of those that are, uh, that draw back. He has no pleasure in that. So the just live by faith. Say, we are the just. We live by faith and we don't draw back. All right. Thank you, Jesus. That was awesome. I'm glad Pastor Zona talked about faith because uh, this next subject we're going to go into, it's going to take faith for us to be able to operate in it. Amen. Gloria, everything, everything that God commands us to do or ask us to do, it's going to take his faith for us to step into it. And then it's going to take even his faith working in us so that we can receive it from him. Amen. And so I'm so thankful. Thank you that you did that. Praise God. Nita has a story that she wants to tell that uh, Nita and I were in Bernie today at the church at Bernie ministering. And uh, she uh, had the opportunity to talk to a lady that uh, uh, we prayed for her and, and everything while we were there. But she's a therapist that is working or works very closely or she I guess she works she works that is part of her area at the uh at the elementary school in Uvalde she's a therapist and so Nita has some stuff that she wants to she shared she shared with Nita and so if you want to come up baby and just kind of share that now this doesn't count as his time this is just a bonus, and I wanted we wanted to share with it because you guys were in if you were here when um, Pastor Trey and Pastor Ronnie talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and all that. So I thought this was like perfect example. Um, this lady Lisa came up, and she is um, she's a physical therapist, and so she helps uh, elementary kids if they have speech therapy that they need to do or are walking and so handicapped. So she went and um, she does surrounding surrounding schools, and on Tuesday. Yeah, she has a team. And so on Tuesday, one of her therapists was at the Rob Elementary in Uvalde. And she was at another elementary school in another town, and she needed some information. So she called this this teacher aide, and she said, hey, I need you to leave this side of the campus. I need This is at Rob Elementary. I need you to go to the other side of the campus. I need you to look up this uh, paperwork, this file. And she goes, I know it's going to put you out, and it's going to make you run late, but I need you to do this. So um, reluctantly, the therapist said, okay, I'll go over there. So she went across, and she had to look up some files. And um, that delay saved her life, because at that moment she would have been in the hall and I just started bawling when she said this honestly that therapist would have been in the hall with her two kids walking the hall exactly where that gunman was at so that lady that lady her name was Lisa Lisa having the Holy Spirit telling her because she said I was back and forth like do I tell her because I knew it would delay and sometimes we get impatient right I know I'm God's working on me but sometimes we get delays uh, you know we wake up late we uh, get delayed in traffic or something happens and it doesn't work the way we want sometimes that's a Holy Spirit and that delay saved those two kids and that teacher, I mean, and that, yeah, that teacher's aide's life by her, her being obedient and saying, hey, I need you to do this. So I, I just, 
and she's spirit filled. And so we need to, if tomorrow when you're thinking about through the day, she's going to go back up to Uvalde and she's going to get with a team and they're going to how to minister to the kids and the teachers and everything. Um, and she's spirit filled. And I told her, she's like, I don't know. She said, I, I didn't know how, I don't know how I'm going to go. And I said, you're going to go in faith and you're going to go pray it up. And I said, from point A to point B, you pray in tongues all the way. And when you go and you speak, God's going to give you the words and the wisdom. And it was just very touching. And that's exactly what we were, y'all were talking about that one is like being led by the spirit. That's exactly what Pastor Zona was talking about a while ago when I was a kid. I didn't care if Joel got a spanking. Give me a break. <laughs> I didn't, but it was a, that you're never too, you're never too young to hear from the Holy Spirit. And I, and I just, and I remember that clearly and we just prayed and I just got like dogmatic. And I mean, we have story after story after story of how God has protected us and, and what we do in the beginning of service with the confessions and what we do at the end about praying, no tragedy comes nigh us. We're not just doing that just to talk. We're, we're putting, we're speaking, faith speaks, faith acts, and we're, we're pleading the blood over, over us. And I don't know, that was just a really powerful story. And I wanted to share that. Yeah, it absolutely was uh, powerful, and she, and and actually, she said that she was contemplating on, on not going, until she seen Nita and I there at the church this morning. She says, "I know that they're going to encourage me to like step out there." And sure enough, what the Lord had me speak about about going out into deep water and doing deep things and just getting out there and just trusting God, and so. So thank you, Jesus. She's going to, she's carrying the, she's going to, I mean, she's absolutely carrying the presence of God with her over there, which I know that there's, there's a lot of other believers over there also, but so it's just so powerful that now, now there's like a, there's almost like there's a personal connection to what is going on over there. And so here at Omega Church, uh, we want to, uh, we want to give you foundational truths and principles so that you can live this God life that God has given us to its maximum potential. And so this is why we teach and we're, we're doing these foundational classes because we want every one of y'all to be victorious in Christ. And, and I am so thankful that here at Omega Church that, that we get taught about returning the tithe and giving offerings here at Omega Church because I believe and, and, uh, and I know Pastor uh, does too that, and we've talked about this, that this is one thing that can deliver us from the illness. I'm going to say it's an illness of the love of money. Okay, did y'all get that? It can deliver us from the illness or the sickness of, or the greed of the love of money. And so I'm so thankful that God allows us to partner with him uh, in this aspect because everything belongs to God. Amen. Everything belongs to God. So we're going to start right there. That's number one right there. Everything belongs to God. Haggai 2.8 says, the silver, God says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. So who does it belong to? It belongs to God. You say, well, I work for it. Well, you may have worked for it, but it still belongs to God. And he allows us to use it and also to return back to him. In Leviticus 27.30, it says this, uh, uh, And all the tithe of the land, whether 
of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. And so what he's saying, the tithe is set apart and it is holy and it is not to be touched. The tree that was in the, in the Garden of Eden, God set it there. They were to tend it and to keep it, but they were not to touch it. Okay? They were not to touch it. So the tithe is not to touch A lot of people think that tithing is whenever you pass the offering bucket around and you drop a few bucks in there. That is not tithing. Okay? That is tipping. And nowhere in the Word of God does it say that you are blessed because of your tipping. Okay? That's leftovers. <laughs> I know. I don't. Want, I want this to kind of be light and airy, but it's gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna be a little tough, and it's gonna stretch us because, uh, I mean, this is this is an area that that God wants to open up in our lives because He wants to. He. Wa I mean, He wants to trust you with finances. Okay, and if you're faithful with a little, and the tenth is a little, just think about it. It's a dime of every dollar. Okay, we say, well, if I get a million dollars, that tithe is too big to tithe. No, it's still a dime on every dollar. Okay? Hebrews 1, verse uh, number 2, it says this. I have some of these in here, so I'm just going to be reading them real quick. Uh, hath in these days, uh, these last days, spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So Jesus made the world, and he is heir of all things. So everything belongs to God. Uh, number two, the tithe. Uh, Genesis uh, uh, 22, I mean 28, 22. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto. And so we see here that the tithe is the tenth. So it's the tenth of all your increase. Uh, there's one place, and I don't have the scripture written down, but uh, it says that uh, uh, return, uh, honor the Lord with your substance and with all your increase. So shall your barns be filled with, or with the first fruits of all your increase, and so shall your barns be filled with what? With plenty. Okay, y'all have heard these scriptures over and over again. I've had an awesome opportunity to, of, of teaching many, I don't know, maybe hundreds of offering lessons. Amen. Uh, so the tithe is the tenth. And so we see here, uh, so in A, 28, 22B, and of all, that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. And that scripture comes out of whenever Jacob had the dream, and he saw the angels of, of heaven, they were ascending and descending, and he said, this surely must be the house of God in this place. And so that's when he said, hey, if God is going to bless me, and he's going to keep me in this land, and in the way that I'm going to go, then I'm going to surely give God, I'm going to return the tenth of all my increase unto him. Now notice this, this was before the law. Okay, nobody had to tell him to do it. He purposed in his heart that he was going to return the tithe. Amen. Uh, Deuteronomy uh, fourteen twenty two. Thou shalt uh, truly tithe all the increase. So the tithe is the tenth. Tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. That's Deuteronomy 14.22. The tithe is 10% of all your increase. The first, ten, the first tenth of your increase. That's A. 
B, to be from the gross and not the net. So what do we tithe from? We tithe from our the gross of our increase, not from the net, not after taxes. I've heard pastors on to say this a long time ago, and this is what this is what Nita and I decided to do. She said, "Well, well, what do you want the increase on? You want the increase on the gross, or do you want the increase on the net? I want the increase on the more." Amen. Uh, Leviticus 27, uh, this is C, Leviticus 27, uh, 30 and 34a, verse 30 says this, And all the tithe of the land, how much? All of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy. So what does it mean to be holy? It means it's set apart, right? It is holy unto the Lord. Verse 34 these are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses. So he said, number one, the tithe is what? It's holy. That means it's not to be touched. That means it's not to be ate, it's not to be used, and it's not to be spent. It belongs to God. That's number two. It belongs to God. Does it belong to you? It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. Does it belong to McDonald's? No. It belongs to God. Does it belong to my bills? No, it belongs to God. So I can go on and on and on and on about that. Uh, it belongs to God. It is a commandment of God. We see that in Leviticus. Number three, tithing is, uh, tithing the tithe. I like the way this says, says it here because, uh, so God tells us to tithe, and the act of returning the tithe is tithing. Is that right? And so, and so if what I was saying a while ago, it's going to take the faith of God whenever he commands us to do something in order to do it. So the action of faith in that is actually tithing and being a tither, okay? If you put something in the offering plate one time, that does not make you a tither. That makes you a tipper, okay? If you plant, if, uh, if I plant, if I was to plant a tomato plant in my backyard, that doesn't that makes me maybe a, a type of a gardener, but it does not make me a farmer, okay? Because it's not something I do all the time, okay? So I want to be a tither, and there's so I'm, I'm telling you there are so many and we're going to get to it. There are so many benefits to re, to really what this boils down to. It boils down to honoring and trusting God. That's what it boils down to, honoring and trusting God. And I'm telling you, when you can trust God with your wallet, it makes it a lot easier to trust him with your family members. It makes it a lot easier for you to trust him uh, in all your other areas of life. When you can trust him with your finances. Because I tell you, it rep the tithe represents everything that you do. It represents your time. It represents your talent. Okay, so what better way to honor God than to honor him by returning the tithe and giving offering? And he allows us, this is what I think is so amazing, he allows us to participate in that. He don't want to leave us out. So tithing the tithe, Deuteronomy chapter 26, uh, y'all just, uh, I want to encourage y'all to go to, to go read that because that's a, it's a lot of reading that whole chapter. But basically what it's saying, it says when you've come into the good land, you come into the land, then he's telling us to return the tithe. That's what it's telling us. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through uh, 14. 
I'm going to read these scriptures. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 14 says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. And we, Pastor has talked about this before. I've talked about it before. Uh, I believe it was uh, Uncle Fred that said, uh, a, a thief just goes in, a thief just goes in and just steals, you know, like in, in the night. But a robber will actually hold a gun to somebody and, and rob from them, to steal from them. And so how, how will we rob God? We were actually robbing God of the opportunity to bless, to bless us exceedingly abundantly, more than we could ever ask or think, when we hold that back. Uh, it says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes. How much of the tithes? All into the storehouse. This is the storehouse right here. That there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows, everybody say windows, of heaven, and pour you out a blessing. Okay, I always, always think, okay, God's going to pour, is going to pour out a blessing on me. Okay, but God, all, he wants to pour that blessing. He wants to open the windows and he wants to pour that blessing out on you, but he also wants to pour you out to be a blessing. Are y'all getting that? He wants to pour you out to be a blessing. Amen? And so you, and so you, you, you have to be blessed in order to be a blessing. I keep losing my place. I gotta, I just gotta stay on the, on the program. If I not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. How many of you could handle a little bit of that? And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And, and he shall, I mean, these are tithers benefits right here. These are tithers benefits that we can lay hold of. That there's, uh, and uh, shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in, uh, in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord, yet ye say, what have we spoken so much against thee? You have said, it is vain to serve God, and what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully uh, before the Lord of hosts. So, see, uh, uh, ministers are commanded to receive the tithe. And so we need to thank God all the time that we receive the tithe and offering here at Omega Church. This is where it's supposed to go. This is the storehouse. Why do we return our tithe and offering here? And then we're going to get into this too. Giving is different than tithing. Sowing seed is different than tithing. Giving alms is different than tithing. And we're going to get into all that here in just a little bit. Uh, so we, we bring it here so that, the, so that there may be meat in our house. Hebrews 7, uh, 5, the first part there says, And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi who receive the office of the priesthood, are y'all getting these? Have a commandment to take the tithes of the people. I'm going to go over that one more time so that you can get the blanks. And verily, they that are, that are the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take the tithes of the people. Hebrews 7, verse 8, in the Amplified says this, says, Furthermore, in the Levitical 
priesthood, tithes are received by men who are subject to death, while there in, uh, in the case of Melchizedek, they are received by one of whom it is testified that he lives perpetually. Now, I had a little bit of hard time understanding this, and so I read it out of the message translation. I'm going to see if I can get over there and find that real quick. I'm glad we have these devices so that we can do this kind of stuff. This is what it's good for. Hebrews 7, 8. And you're saying, get with it, Trey. It says, although the Jewish priests received tithes, they all died. Y'all getting this? They were mortal, but Melchizedek lives on. You see, Jesus is after the priesthood of Melchizedek. Okay? If I'm wrong on any of this, you'd, you'd let me know. It could even be said that Levi, the ancestor of every Jewish priest who receives tithes, actually paid tithes to Melchizedek through Abraham. Okay, so we see here that Abraham, he paid tithes, he returned tithes to Melchizedek. And so basically we're doing the same thing. We're returning tithes. Uh, Jesus is after priesthood of Melchizedek. They said Melchizedek lives on. And so that's who we're actually returning ties to, even though that we're giving it to men. Okay? You need to add anything there? Because I, 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 I told the church this morning up at Bernie, I said, I am not a Bible scholar. Okay? But I am a student. And I will forever be a student. Okay? Always learning, because once we quit learning and quit, we quit being a student, then we're just going to get in pride and we'll just, we're just going to miss it, okay? So, always be eager to be a student, amen? Uh, D, how, uh, how, this is on tithing the tithe, so we are to bring the tithe. Malachi 3. Nine and, uh, 9 and 10, it says, bring you all the tithe into the storehouse. So we're blessed when we do, and we're cursed when we don't. Okay? So, obedience is better than sacrifice. So whenever the Lord tells me to do something, then that's to keep me in the blessing. Is that right? If I obey, I stay in the blessing. Now, if I disobey... What am I subject to? I'm subject to the curse that is already in the land. Okay? I want to be blessed. E, tithe means first. 1 Corinthians 16, uh, 2a. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God had prospered him. So you lay up in store as God has prospered you. 
It should be given first place or priority. It should be given priority in your life. Why you give it priority? So it won't be spent. See, it will cost you if you don't tithe an additional 20% will be added to it. That's in Leviticus 27, 31. And if a man will at all redeem uh, will at all redeem aught of his tithes, he shall add thereunto the fifth part thereof. And it should be given by faith. Genesis 4, 3 uh, through 8. I'm going to read those scriptures. I just got to get to my handy dandy notebook here. Uh, Genesis 4. Yeah, right here. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering. I want you all to remember that. An offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord hath respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wrath. And his countenance fell, and the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wrath? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall it be uh, his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up, uh, against Abel, uh, his brother, and slew him. So we see here that the first murder happened because of an offering. Okay? You say, well, why, why did Cain, I mean, what, what was the issue here? Why did God have more respect towards Abel's offering than he did Cain's? Here's, here's, here's the gist of it. Cain gave an offering. Okay? He gave an offering. But Abel, what did he do? He brought of the firstlings. He brought of the firstlings. So, A, uh, respected, God respected and regarded it uh, by faith. Uh, B, not respected regarded if not by faith. So in order to get a more understanding of this, let's go to Hebrews 11, verse number 4 and 6. By faith. So why did Abel, why did Abel give a more accept, acceptable offering? He gave of the firstlings of his flock. Okay? So why did he do it? He did it by faith. He did it in faith, trusting God. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it bringing dead, uh, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. So we're still, we're still talking about Abel and his offering. 
But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That he is what? That he is everything that you will ever need. Jesus is everything that you'll ever need. And that he is... Uh, a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. When Pastor Zona was talking a while ago, I wrote down in, in, in my notes there, uh, God rewards diligence. And I'm going to tell you what, you want to see some rewards, you start being diligent in returning the tithe and offering. Nita and I have seen it over and over and over again. Now, do we do it just so that we can re- get back and, re- and receive and receive the the abundance? No, we don't do it. Do it. I'm telling you. Whenever I, I first started uh, walking with the Lord, I would do it because of fear and like I didn't want to be cursed or nothing. But no, now I just I want to partner with God. I want to see what God's going to do because I know that He has something on the other side for us. And uh, I'm telling you because I have found out uh, through this. I've been saved a while now. I have found out that there are certain things that I just can't do on my own. And working working so hard just to try to make ends meet, I can't do it. But you know what? I can add my faith with God's faith and trust him and honor him. And somehow he just makes it all work out. So we, G, we do it from your heart. We do it from our heart. Deuteronomy 26, 16, and Luke eleven forty two, Malachi 3, 13, and 14, it says this. It talks about doing it with our whole heart. That's A. Our whole heart and our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. We do it in love. We do it without uh, grudging, murmuring, or complaining. We know that God is not willing to to do, to do without a cheerful and joyful giver. So we don't we don't do it in fear. We do it in love. So A is whole heart, and so B is in love. C is without grudging. So without grudging, murmuring, or complaining. So don't complain about this is my last dollar. Without murmuring or complaining, like to preach all he wants is he's going to receive another tithe and he's going to receive another offering. You know, he's just trying to get increase to you. That's the way we got to look at it. God's trying to get, he's not trying to take from us. He's trying to get to us. Not get, not get to us financially. I mean, he's trying to get, he's trying to get finances back to us. Amen. Believe me, God is not trying to get to you. And the preacher's not trying to get to you. Okay. Well, we do it out of worship and rejoicing. You find that in Deuteronomy 26, 10b and 11a. We worship the Lord with our offering. Uh, there, I believe it's in Psalm uh, Psalm 100. It says, I think it's one. I think it's 100. But anyway, it says to enter the enter the courts with with uh, thanksgiving. And with a sacrifice of praise. So we so we bring it with us. Amen. So we do it worshiping and rejoicing. Um, the next part, benefits of tithing. This is where it gets really good. Malachi 3, 9 and 12. is so that there will be meat in God's house. We read that a while ago. Uh, it's the ministry of inheritance. B, there should be meat 
where we come together and eat. Now we're talking about spiritual food here. Another benefit of it is we prove God. It proves God. He opens the windows of heaven. This is all based on Malachi 3, 9 through 12. And he pours out a blessing. And it's that blessing is always more than enough. Notice he said he opens the windows in, of, in heaven. Number three, protection. The devourer is rebuked when we honor God with the tithe and offering. Our fruit is not destroyed. Y'all know that we're not just talking about just like actual fruit. Okay, we're talking about the, the, the fruit of the work of our labor. Okay, there's been many times that uh, y'all all know that I'm in construction and get down, uh, especially when I'm pouring concrete jobs. I have to really trust God on those concrete jobs because, you know, you can figure to the, to the T of what you think uh, the concrete's going to cost and how much concrete is going to be there. And, uh, and, and some, I don't know why, some jobs just take more than other jobs do. And I never, I never forget there's been, I mean, there have been maybe three or four jobs that like got down to the last part of it. And you know, another truck of concrete could be over, I mean, it's over a thousand bucks for another truck of concrete. And then if you start getting into extra trucks of concrete, that starts taking away from your profit. And I remember this one sidewalk job that I had my dad uh, helping, helping me with and my brother, and we were pouring the sidewalk job, and I had it, I had it all figured out, and, uh, you know, I thought we were going to have uh, plenty of concrete, and, and it was real hot that day, I thought, I, I, man, I, I, I thought I was going to die, I really did, I got dehydrated, my dad got dehydrated, my brother got dehydrated, because what happened was, is we had so much sidewalk to pour, there was only three of us, and I thought, well, man, we can knock this out quick, because I usually hire people to finish it, and I said, it's just right here, you know, it's only four feet wide, but it was like 350-something feet long, well, the concrete started, because there's no plastic under it on sidewalks, it started drying up from about here to the corner of the room, and we were having to go back and forth and back and forth. And then when we get to the end, and we have, I don't know, maybe another 50 feet to go or so. And the concrete guy, no, it was before, I know it may have been 100 feet. And the concrete guys that on the concrete truck, because they know, he said, you're not going to make it. I said, no, we're going to make it. And I'm hot. And the devil knows when you're hot. He knows when you're tired. He knows when you're about to give up. And I said, nope. I said, the oil is going to stay. I said, the oil is going to stay. I said, the concrete is going to stay. And we got to the end of that job and got right to the end, and that concrete ran out, and we were done. And the concrete guy said, I do not believe that the concrete lasted that long. He said, we should have ran out a long time ago. And I got to share the gospel with him just because of what he just witnessed. Because he knew that something miraculous had happened. And, and I, was, I was out, but I shared, I shared with him a story about, about, the, about the oil. 
about how the oil, the, she kept pouring out the oil and it just, and it stayed until all the vessels were full. I said that concrete stayed until these forms were full and I got to share the gospel with him. So that's what it means. So that's kind of what it means to like, to, to, uh, the fruit, uh, the fruit of your ground uh, is going to produce. Amen. Uh, number four, blessed. And that means empowered to prosper. All nations will call us blessed in a delightsome land. Isn't it going to be great? Uh, it, it, isn't it great for, um, I mean, the church should be the most powerful force in the earth. Yes. Amen. The most powerful force for the whole world and the whole earth to say, man, isn't the church of Jesus Christ a delightsome land? Amen? Glory to God. Examples of tithing, Genesis 28, uh, 22b. Y'all can go read these scriptures. And of all that thou shalt give me, this is Jacob, I will surely give a tenth unto thee. So there's an example. Deuteronomy 14, 22. Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. And then also you can go read Deuteronomy 26. We talked about that a while ago, about just returning the tithe. Don't forget God. Second uh, Chronicles 31.5. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and read some of these. Go back to the King James. Second Chronicles thirty one. And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel bought, brought in abundance of first fruits of corn, wine, oil, and honey, and of all the increase of the field, and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. So there's an example of tithing. Uh, and then in Second Chronicles 31.12, And brought in the offerings and the tithes and, and, and the dedicated things faithfully over which uh, Coniah the Levite was ruler. The Shemini, his brother, was the next. So there's an example of tithing. Uh, I mean, it's all, it's all throughout the word of God. Tithing is in, tithing was before the law. Tithing is during the law. And tithing is even even in the new covenant. And we're going to get to that in just a little bit. Uh, Nehemiah 13, 12. Then brought all Judah the tithe. That's the next blank there. Of the corn and the new wine and the oil uh, unto the treasuries. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Let's go there. Yeah, here's this, here's the scripture that I was quoting earlier. 
Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So when is it? When is it? It's first. And here's the here's the promise that's atta- attached to it. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. Everybody say plenty. And thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Uh, Luke eleven uh, forty two. Here's where here's where we see that it's that it's active in the uh, in the New Testament. But woe unto you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass over judgment and the love of God. These all you have done. So he's saying this is what you ought to have done. You should have you should have tithe and uh, and not leave the other undone. So that. So, but woe unto you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and Passover judgment and the love of God, these ought, that's the next blank there, you have done and not leave the other undone. Now here's what an offering is or is not. You have not given an offering until you have tithed. Malachi 3.8 says, Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, Wherein have we robbed ye? And the Lord says, In tithes and offerings. So it didn't say tithes or offerings. It says tithes and offerings. So... Tithing and offering is two different things. Giving, being, giving, you have to give before you can receive. So there's the, there's the order of it. Luke 6.38 uh, 6, says this, give and it shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down. Well, with the same measure you give, then it'll be given back to you. Pressed down, shaking together and running over. A, men will give to you, then it will come back running over. How you give will be how you get it back. Okay, here's, here. I want to explain this verse of scripture. This is the way that we do it in King's Kids. If I have a trash can up here, I should have brought one up here today. But if I have a trash can up here, a trash can is what? It could be a measure, is that right? You could have a, a, I guess, a 20-gallon trash can, or you could have a 30-gallon or 40-gallon or whatever. So that is a measure, okay? That's a measure. And so if we were to give that measure away, then that measure is going to come back to us. But the only difference is, is that that measure, that trash can, whatever size trash can that is, it's going to be given back to us, but it, how many of you ever tried to get more trash in your trash can? When you think it's full, actually, you can get some more in there. And let me tell you what, Nita will press that trash can down until you cannot even hardly get that trash bag out of the trash can. Like it gets hung up everywhere, and the air sucks, and you can't get it out of there. So that's how God gives it back to us. He causes man to come bring it back to us, but it's going to be what? Pressed down, shaking together, 
and running over. So how, how we give is how we're going to receive. So a dollar bill is a measure, a hundred dollar bill is a measure, a thousand dollars is a measure. So that measure that we give is going to be returned back to me. And pastor told that story about uh, his kinfolk that he doesn't tithe off of what he makes. He tithes what he wants to make. You get that? So, amen. Glory to God. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm believing God. I'm not just wanting, I'm believing God that we're, that Nita and I, and y'all get on the same page, we'll get on the same page with you, that we're going to start making what we actually tithe and give in comparison, okay? Amen. Glory to God. I'm saying that to encourage you, not not to, because I, I don't know how Nita and I do it, but we're, we're just because we step out there in faith, but we give way more and tithe way more compared to what we make. Amen. And so I want to get, I want to get to that, to that point, which is so, we just got to get to that next level. Amen. We got to get to that next level. Thank you, Jesus. Now you can't compare, can't, don't be comparing because comparison is a killer. Okay, the, the, the widow woman, y'all know the story about the widow woman who gave the mite. Jesus said that she gave more than all of them. Okay, but I know that those rich people were actually giving more in dollars. But no, what was she doing? She was giving out of her, out of her lack. So there was no, there's no comparison in the amount of dollars. But Jesus saying, "Hey, she gave more than all the rest of you because she gave out of, out of her lack." You notice that the Bible never talks about her again because I guarantee she was set up from there on out. Amen. I bet her, tithe, I bet her tithing and giving went up way high. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Sowing. So here's what sowing is. Sowing is different. Oh wait, I, I missed. Uh, I missed number two. Acts twenty, uh, thirty-five. It's more blessed to give than to receive. I know there's been many times that Nita and I have have been able to be a blessing, and let me tell you what. There is nothing. There is nothing like it. See sowing. Sowing means seeding or planting. You have to sow before you can reap. Notice you're not going to reap from your garden if you don't ever plant it. I'm not going to reap from my garden this year because I haven't planted it. But I know people who have planted. And I'm believing that they're going to give in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you have to sow before you can reap. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 10. It says, if we sow sparingly, uh, we'll reap sparingly. But if we sow bountifully, we're going to reap bountifully. That's talking about that measure there again. D, casting. You have to cast your bread before you can find it. Ecclesiastes 11.1. 1, this is one of my favorite scriptures about tithing and giving right here. It says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. So no casting, 
No casting, no finding. And in that verse of scripture there, it says even to sow to seven or to eight. And so from that, we got a revelation of that many years ago, Nita and I did. And so the tithe right here, this is our storehouse. This is where we return the tithe. But there are those ministries that we sow into. And I'm telling you, when you sow into those ministries, you become a divine partaker of the grace that is upon those ministries. Okay, that was for free. So E, you do it, uh, you do it from your heart. And you do it by faith. Hebrews 11.6, we've already went over that. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. And those that come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We do it joyfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7 says we don't do it grudgingly or out of necessity. Because we know God loves a cheerful, joyous, and listen to this part. I love this the way it says in the Amplified, prompt to do it, giver. Prompt to do it, giver. Remember, this is all talking about sowing and giving. So number two is joyful, and then underneath that is A, uh, not grudgingly, B, not of necessity. So grudging, grudgingly means that I'm going to give it, but I really don't want to. Okay? Another ver I believe another uh, 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 translation says, not of compulsion. Not like being like somebody trying to uh, eat, like try to take it out of you and try to make you feel bad because you're not doing it. Okay? That is not what I'm doing up here. I'm here to encourage you because I know the word of God works. And I want you and all of us here at Omega Church want you to maximize the potential of the God-given life that he has for you. Uh, number three, we do it in Jesus and in love. You can find that in Colossians 3, 17, 1 John 3, 17 through 18. We do it in the name of the Lord and we do it in love. Now, alms is something different. That's the next part there. Alms, alms is giving to the poor. Proverbs 19, uh, 7, I'm just going to paraphrase this. It says, uh, if you uh, give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. So A, uh, you lend to the Lord. And if you lend to the Lord, under B right there, who's going to repay you? He repays us. Amen. So whenever we give, maybe to somebody who is not in the same uh, financial status that we're in, and we shouldn't be expecting nothing back from them. Okay, in other words, we're not Indian givers and we're, we're going to try to take it back. Or if we give to somebody that we're not going to say, well, I, I did this for you and you should do this for me. That's not, no. When we do it, we're doing it as unto the Lord. And when we do it as unto the Lord, then he's going to repay us. Amen. Uh, B, uh, re, uh, rewards. Matthew 6, 1 and 4. Let me go and read that. Man, time goes by fast when you're up here. Wow. 
that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And so we don't let anybody see it. We do it in secret, and then God will reward us openly. Uh, see, God remembers, and you can find that in Acts 10, 2, 4. Uh, he feared God. That's one. He feared God. Two, you know what? We, we need to go. We need to go there. I'm trying to hurry, but we need to, we need to go to this. Acts 10, verse number 2. This is talking about Cornelius. Uh, and he was a devout man and one that feared God. Listen to that. He feared God with all his house, which he gave much alms to people and prayed to God always. And he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked unto him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And so then let's go down to verse number four. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms have come up, come up for a memorial before God. So our giving alms comes up as a memorial. Our prayers come up as a memorial, a remembrance before God. Amen. There's another, uh, I should have I found this verse, but you can, you know, it's your homework. Go find it. It's, uh, I want to say it's in Proverbs maybe that it says that God never forgets a seed sown. He never forgets it. So we may forget about it. You know, like if we're casting our bread upon the water, and after day, many days we shall, we shall find it. What if we're casting seed for a future harvest that we don't even know that we're going to need down the, down the road? Amen? And so, but he never forgets a seed sown. So, we see that Cornelius, what was his first thing? He feared God. And he gave much alms. Number three, his alms were a memorial before God. And number four, he received salvation for him and his family. And here's one thing that I, that I love about the Lord. The last part here. The Lord has pleasure in our prosperity. He takes pleasure in our prosperity. Psalm 35, uh, 20, verse number 27 says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Amen. I believe that when we honor God with the tithe and with the offering and with giving alms, that what we're saying is, is saying, God, I favor what you're doing in the earth today, and I want to partner with what you're doing in Jesus' name. All right. All right, Dad, Pastor, get on up here. I knew I could see you got the... Well, I, I want to clarify something about alms real quickly. Almsgiving is giving to those that may not be of the same financial status that you're in. But that doesn't mean giving to lazy people. Yeah. This needs to be clarified. 
You, 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 you give to lazy people, you aid and bet, abet their laziness. Okay? And God says, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. That's in the New Testament too. And so uh, you need to clarify that. Alms, uh, let me give you an example. A number of years ago, Zona and I, and I don't mind giving to people like this. This this couple, he's passed on by now, but this couple came to church and they were, uh, uh, this is a number of years ago, so nobody knows who I'm talking about, right? Okay. You'll never guess, so, all right. And, you know, they wasn't the most uh, status as far as skilled and knowledge, but they had children. He always worked. She worked as well. And, you know, they still, it was, it was a struggle, but they was both working. I don't, in that condition... That would any anything that I would give to them would be alms because they're not of the same status that I am. You follow? But for someone that wants to be lazy, and the majority of the beggars that we have on the street are not begging. They're manipulating. And we've conditioned them because of our society. You follow? And they're able-bodied people to work. I, you'll find me rarely giving to people that, that do that. Okay? And God has to double-shake me. Because he doesn't like laziness. And I have a hard time being around lazy people. I really do. People who want to get their hands dirty, particularly. And here's why. I've, I have... God has blessed the work of my hands, but he can't bless the work of your hands if your hands ain't working. And if I give from my family to someone that is not of my same status and does not want to put forth effort for their own, I aid and bet. There's a reason why most uh, housing projects have to be demolished. There's a reason. Because the spirit of laziness is there. The spirit of laziness is associated with poverty. Okay? And I have spent my entire life on the side of town that they that other people on other sides of this town have mocked and looked down upon. And uh, in fact, I've been begged and told many times through the years, take this church and move it to another portion of town and you have two or three times the people you have here and there'll be a high quality, more high quality of givers. And here's my response. What about the people that are here? They need to hear the gospel. But I do want you to understand, understand the difference in almsgiving because I've had people feel guilty because someone's on the street begging and half the time they're professional beggars. You follow me? Particularly in the society that we have in America where we give them all kinds of subsidies. You follow? So be careful to understand. It can be somebody in the church that is working and is tithing. You follow what I'm saying? So understand what we're talking about. I, I, and you may have to help me with this here too. I don't, I don't feel like that 
that alms, because uh, it talks about uh, giving to the household of faith. And and I don't see that as necessarily alms giving, but I see I, I see that, and you can go to the scripture and find out that that's more of partnering. That I'm I want to invest and I want to partner I want to partner uh, in with what God is doing in your life. And I, yeah, and you see, people have natural disasters that hit them, stuff like that. That's alms giving. You follow what I mean? Uh, people in other countries that don't have the privilege that we have in this country, missionaries, that's almsgiving. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, they don't have the clothes or the, the, the uh, economy that we and I, we live in. All of those are almsgivings. Just understand the difference. Please understand the difference. Because if you're not, somebody put me on a guilt trip. Uh, and I don't like being put on a guilt trip about doing anything. God doesn't guilt me into doing anything. Okay? Right. And you need to be careful because you need to be responsible with your money. Okay? And then also I want to add, I want to add one other thing. Uh, because I, I believe that what you, what you sow into, you grow into. Okay? And the Bible, and I, man, I should have found the scripture. But... The Bible says, let those that are taught in the Lord communicate that which is good unto into the one that is, is the teacher. Okay? And so, that's very much a part of, of honoring God and honor, honoring those that are teaching us. And when you do, you're entering into... I'm telling you, you're entering into the grace that's upon, that's upon their life. And so, I mean... I mean, the way I see it, you don't go to you don't go to McDonald's and eat and then go pay Burger King. Okay, Amen. Glory to God. I, I, there is so much in these I, I'm, in these classes. We are just touching like very basic stuff, but yet it's still so much. But yet there's so much more. Okay, I would encourage you if you're not tithing and you're not giving now. I would encourage you to start where you're at. Repent and start where you're at right now. Amen. I'm not doing it. It's not a. It's, I'm not commanding you to do it. I'm encouraging you to do it because the blessing attached to it is so great. Amen. Father, we bless you and we honor you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, you're taking us to new levels in you. And Father God, we thank you that you give us the opportunity to tithe and give and sow into your kingdom and your work and what you're doing in the earth today. And Father God, we just say right now that we are in favor of your righteous cause. And we say continually let the Lord be magnified. And we know, Lord God, that you take pleasure in the prosperity of your servants. And we are your servants here on the earth. We're your mouth, we're your feet, and you're, we're your hands, Lord God. And Father God, we just thank you. You said, how can a preacher preach? And you Every one of us are preachers. Our lives are preaching every single day in the name of Jesus. So how can we preach unless we be sent? And Father God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.